Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, it's Juliet Lamar with Future Tech Podcast, and my guest today is John Militello. He is the principal and co-founder of Long Blink, and he's going to tell us all about it. What's happening, John? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Long Blink? So Long Blink is a strategy studio born out of the idea of taking a purposeful pause. Actually helps most people have a competitive advantage in most companies. You know, I found that this tyranny of the immediate, whether it's email, text messages, and now we have text on every single platform, really takes up so much of your time and you're a slave to the immediate and and you seldom have the time or feel like you have the time to sit down and think about things. And that's where the epiphanies and the ideas and inventions kind of come from those in-between spaces. So we're trying to look at that uh, as a company, especially in our experience at Google. When I worked on the Google Zoo team, we had about 13,000 salespeople that we had to come up with ideas and react to and work with clients, media, and creative agencies. Um, And it was really hard to kind of sit back and really think, right? So we had to force ourselves to do that. Uh, In my role at Volvo as director of marketing over the last three years, the same thing. There were so many meetings to manage up, to manage down, to manage across, that it was really difficult to really sit back and make sure that you were on strategy. So my partner, Sean Miller, and I developed this idea of taking a purposeful purposeful pause. 
in the form of either a workshop or you can outsource it to us to look at the long-term strategy or us to work with your teams to do that. Well, and you know, the importance of taking a purposeful pause, you see it everywhere. You know, people, you, your brain starts starts spinning and you you start dropping the ball on many, many things with that. And you just can't handle so much. The human brain can only get so much information at one time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, there's still 24 hours in a day, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago. There was 2,000. There's still 24 hours in it, in it in a day, yet we still think we can pack more into it, maybe because of technology. You know, in a certain time in history, unless it was light out, you couldn't do certain things. Um, and, and now this technology allows us to do more, but we still need to sleep. We still need to eat. We still need to exercise. So we still need to do the same thing. It's, hard, it's really hard that you mentioned technology because it never stops. Your work is in your pocket on your phone. Your work is on your laptop at home. Your work is at the computer at work. you're surrounded by it and you feel as though since it's available, you have to access it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's almost like you have to look busy. It's like, you know, the yawning effect, right? So when somebody yawns, everybody else starts to seem to yawn. Somebody looks down at their phone, everybody, somebody starts checking email. You're in a meeting, somebody opens their laptop, everybody opens their laptop. And all (laughs) of a sudden you're really not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. There's actually a video, slightly off topic, but there's a video of um, an elevator, right? And there's an actor put in the elevator. And when he people come in, he starts doing odd things, like taking off his hat or taking off a jacket or sitting down. And the other people in the elevator start doing what he's doing because that's what the crowd is doing, even though the things are absurd. And <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned when someone opens their laptop, everyone opens their laptop. It's this group behavior. Yeah. and and And, and I think... And, and when you talk about group behavior leads to group think. And, you mm-hmm. know, there's time for solitude, right? So that purposeful pause allows you to really reflect on something and say, hey, was that really a good idea that we came up with in one hour uh, that all, everybody seemed to love? Or the fact that everybody loved it means, is it a yawn or is it really not a great idea? Is it really not that innovative? People are just moving on to their next meeting. It sounded good. Uh, does it really hold water? And does it stand up to the pressure test? Without purposeful pause, without focus, we are unable to be creative. Yeah, and, and I think more and more our world is leading us to, to to not take a pause. You know, you hear the stuff, it's in advertising, uh, you, it's in when you get hired for a new job. Hey, we want you to hit the ground running. This person gets up to speed really quick. We can throw more. Do you end up on your plate? All these things is, is people, you know, start throwing stuff at people. Um, and then they have to look busy as well. And, and, and I think that's why even working from home, I think more and more companies send people and allow them to work from home a couple of days a week. You start to have that balance of going to meetings and understanding what needs to be done, prioritizing, and then taking the time to think about how to best accomplish those things. I mean, I would rather think about something longer um, and let it kind of float in my brain while I'm doing other things and then let it come out rather than force it out um, and then it's really difficult and painful, and it's not usually the right thing. Yeah, productivity can mean many different things. Just because you're, quote-unquote, being productive doesn't mean you're actually solving a problem to the utmost of your ability, in a sense. So we understand we need to take a purposeful pause. Tell us how you can do this for your clients. Walk us through through that. Yeah. So we can do it through a workshop. You know, we can do it on-site, off-site. Uh, we've developed several ways to, to work with teams. One of the ways and more of a signature long blank is we have a partner in New Orleans and and we do deep human research where we can do videos on people, follow them around almost like documentaries, but for internal use only, create those as database. 
to understand how customers really are. At the same time, um, you know, going down to New Orleans and to work with them, we also realized what a great place, the Big Easy, to kind of turn off yourself and let's do a two or three day workshop with the executives. So one of one of the ideas and, and things that we're we're doing and we're offering is this purposeful pause where you really need to be unplugged away from the office. Go through a, a workshop that gets you to to go back and reflect on things, to do exercises to to loosen that part of your brain up, and to even go out and listen to music and eat different new kinds of food in a place that's on a different scale and a different pay, play, uh, pace. Sorry about it. No, and it's very it brings you back to your humanity, which is one of your principles is human-centered strategy. Human-centered strategy is one of your principles that you are working mm-hmm. towards. Yeah, and, and so that's where innovation can come from. You know, where really great ideas come in the shower, but when you're mowing the lawn, those, like I said before, those spaces in between, the, the spaces in between things, that's where a lot of the innovation can come from. But how do you manufacture that if life doesn't let you have that? So that's, you know, us trying to in, invoke that and, and put that into people's kind of tool uh, tool chest and t- toolboxes. Uh, how can we create these areas where it's okay to think, it's okay to sit down on a chair um, and, and look out the window for a little bit? Because that's where the epiphany is going to come, the innovation is going to come from. So that's that's one of the signature things the workshop. We also do brand strategy, right? Reflecting on what is your mission, vision, purpose. Um, we do this in a very interesting way. Um, I think that's different than most people. And we, we gather friends of a company and we really go through kind of exercises to get there quickly and then collaborate with the brand to, to have that. And again, that sets the tone for the kind of people who want to work there, which sets the tone for how innovative you are as a company. Um, and then the next area that we do is something I touched on is that deep strategy, that's deep human-centered um, research. So going out and researching not just desktop, not just survey, but observational research allows us to really give our clients an understanding of who their core target and who would use this product to allow you to come up with the interesting idea or way um, to market to them or what if it's a product you're developing. Because if you don't understand the user first, you're never going to develop a product that they're going to embrace. Absolutely. In in observing these humans, what interesting things have you found that you might not have expected? Yeah, well, you know, on um, some of them is, it's you know, when you do a survey, people say one thing and, and, and do another. Um, <laughs> our partner, <laughs> on you know, they, they did some research where they were looking at uh, for, for an eyeglass company. And I think the, the trouble is they were having people uh, who needed progressive lens getting progressive lenses. So, you know, our partner, Bad Babysitter, worked with them to enough to find out how to um, really understand it. So they took and they went and interviewed uh, prop people at a movie studio to understand how actors reacted to, to having to wear glasses uh, as a character. And, you know, because those people draw on new insights, and we wanted to get unconscious insights, and that helped change the way in which to position that um, product for the brand. Wow. That's such a reverse engineer way to, to think about that problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then, it's you know, for us, the other thing is it's, you know, how do you look at just any kind of problem in a different way? Um, and then that goes into the marketing innovation. That's something I did at Google. That's something I did at Volvo is how are we going to really, once we have all that information and insight around our customer and people, how can we take this technology 
and bend it in ways that are more useful um, and kind of surprising, like, but based on those existing behaviors. So when clients come to you, um, where do you like them to be? Is it Can they come to you with, with a very rudimentary idea for their business, or do you handle more big businesses? What kind of clients do you have? Um, so, you know, we're in our beta phase, just coming out of beta to go big. So, you know, we've talked to a couple of companies about helping develop and understand a better use, user journey. Uh, in a retail space with their apps. Um, some companies we're, we're talking to um, about realigning and, and how they position their content um, to their, to their uh, readers and, and online users and, and um, viewers, right? So we're working with one company that has all three platforms, and we're trying to really package content up for them uh, in a very interesting way that might be different than... Um, They've been traditionally used to, and how do you tie all three of those together, those platforms? How do you make something that's on TV engaging and useful um, online, right, rather than traditional ways of co-viewing? One of the things that I did when I was at Google around that was a solution uh, that we came up with was this idea of this content engine. And um, what we did is we, we realized that the behavior at the time, back in 2013, and still pretty much there was this dual screen usage, right? So people are using a, a laptop uh, at that time and then a te television. Then they're using an iPad and a phone and a television, you know, all these co-viewing things. And even with a laptop, you're pulling out your cell phone uh, or multiple tabs. So what we did is we created this, uh, this content engine where you could be watching a YouTube video, and underneath that, we know that it's translating that video into different languages, and we could put hyperlinks to that into different things on that the topic and the person was talking about. So we did this for a few things. So, you know, you, you talk about somebody giving like a TED Talk type speech and they talk about the Lincoln bedroom and all of a sudden now you've got a link in there and the video can go smaller and you're in a street view of the Lincoln bedroom in the White House, right? And so the whole idea there was that we've got this uh, co-viewing thing happening, why not feed it to them in a more natural way and allow them to do it on one platform? I love that because I think for my personal brain, when I have so many tabs open or I'm scrolling through things, the information is coming in these tiny little bite-sized nuggets that you see, but they're all disjointed. They're all different subjects. They're different colors, everything. So your brain is just flip-flopping, 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 and that causes in your brain a lot of extra noise. But when it's something that is flowing, like you said, the whatever you're watching is now flowing to the next thing and there's some kind of connectivity, that's just easier to contemplate. Right, right. So, and, and, and it shows up, right? So you can either do it ahead of time or you go, wow, you, we know that you're probably going to be interested in that because we were, you click the little button underneath there and you can get the bio of the person that's speaking, but you're not losing the channel. It just gets smaller. The video gets a little smaller. The other stuff comes to the forefront. So again, pulling stuff from the web in real time kind of predictively and allowing the user to have that curated for the user. So that was one idea. One interesting use of technologies for Amex, interstitials. And those interstitials are little cards at a shop's second date. And having that in there was a problem because as we created these cards that would be embedded in a YouTube video, I'll say full contained YouTube video, after that date, those videos would no longer really be relevant, right? And so what we did is we realized that instead of making duplicate videos and alternate videos, um, we use that overlay of the ad serving and monetize a video. So we just created a nice little template where there was a little black space 
And all those videos prior to the date to promote it, it'll monetize and throw that little advertisement in there. And it was just the date and then pull it back um, and get rid of that. It was there that way. Yeah, that was just a unique way for us to um, solve a very interesting. Absolutely. That was a very creative creative solution to that. So what what problems do you do you commonly see between companies and reaching their clients? You know, I think again it goes to this idea that thing that we're talking about with with how this technology, um, email text, meeting and having to look busy in that kind of group think is that we say we're customer first, we say we're customer focused, but in business I can tell you it's really hard to stay that way. Um, you realize, and at some point, I think my hardest thing was to develop and make sure we're developing materials and and marketing materials and advertisements that were really geared towards the person at the right time, rather than people. Did you make your dealers happy? Is that a car commercial? Is that a is that a car ad? Is that an email? Um, or is it one that will be effective and and be relevant to the end user? Yeah, I mean, predicting what humans want is difficult. <laughs> That's one of the main. The main hard things about being in marketing. Well, well, yeah, but I also think it's also as an added layer to that. Layer to that is that truly a lot of people influence now from a view. So they're, you know, they don't blend average consumer in one thing where internally you see the different. So I think that's also a very hard thing unless you're inside of a system. Uh, need to really understand is how does how does it you know we know about our innovations how do we express those in, in engaging ways we know about our value but how do we express that or um, we know what we want to show but most people aren't interested in that how do we how do we not talk about that but still be true to ourselves absolutely so what what is your ultimate goal for for long blink I both want to be I think into the advertising space, I think as millennials and Gen Z come up, it's not even about advertising, it's about value as a brand bringing their platform. Their products are the best advertising. Their advertising should be a useful product over building that, you know, an understanding of if I'm Delta and I have a plane service and I know people don't like those products, need to fly and I, you know, don't want to just be about a price point else and I have a bam. That app is service. And so understanding that there the these traditional lines in marketing, advertising, and product development are all so much blurred. Um, I would love for us to help take a more holistic view and, and get rid of those silos, offer so brands can really offer something of benefit. Uh, full on to their customers, and that's what's going to really differentiate most companies when most services are becoming and products are becoming product. And if you're not doing that, customers are going to be able to see through it and see the genuineness in your campaigns. Well, yeah, and so it's no longer really a campaign, right? So the mm-hmm. iPod is a product, and it does X, Y, and Z, and the advertisement makes you feel X, Y, and Z about it, and the online that or give you ideas and and then all of a sudden it's it's a whole thing that you're into it's not really a campaign it's what you need or as a brand we're giving you innovation uh and we're looking at you as a total customer saying okay how can we if we're an air air conditioning company how can we help you more than just keep you cool 
Can can we help lower your energy bill? Can we tie into your, you know, alarm system? Could it be a motion to, t- you know, like all these little things. Also now you can start deconstructing everything and, and trying to understand how your brand is more than this one thing. Because the, if you're just one thing, you're going to be commoditized. The cable companies are fighting this tooth and nail because they don't want to be just a pipe, you know? So you have to, so you need to be branching out as a company in as many ways as you can that are relative to your product. Yes. And and I think yes. you need to innovate constantly to reinvent your your value proposition and how you can use the technologies and the tools to stay deliver on that promise. Absolutely. So if a company wants to wants to come to you and jump on board this really great new way of doing things, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they can go to our website, longblink.com, um, take a look at what we're all about. And if they want to go on this kind of a journey with us, then reach out to us and contact us. Um, you know, we we are being choosy and working with people as well. And we want to work with people who really want to change the way in which brands and people connect. Um, there's all these disruptors out there, and some of them are good and not good. I think if you look at Netflix and Amazon, the way they're disrupting the movies, you've seen so much more creative television out there in, in movies even. Uh, and just the entertainment says it doesn't even matter if it's a movie or a TV series or a miniseries. Um, it's just so much better content out there because of that. And I think the same thing could be done in the way in which brands connect with people. Absolutely. Well, I'm very excited to see these new advertising platforms implemented into my daily life. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that's interesting to us, and, and we've been talking about uh, Bitcoin and how that will play the media, and then the other piece of it is AI. We just met with a company yesterday that talked about a predictive modeling and taking sentiment analysis to a predictive level. Very uh, interesting stuff in how building a campaign, building a product together, and that predictive modeling really helps you understand how much money you need to market something, um, what the what the type of competitions out there, and how people feel. And, and one one of the interesting things through the AI is we felt that and found that it's not just everybody needs to feel good. There there needs to be a drama and a healthy tension. So people feeling a certain way may be negative, but balanced equally by positive is actually a bigger driver. But how do we use AI for that kind of intelligence, can that start helping us write creative briefs? You know, um, we were really pushing the fact that we wanted to use dynamic ad serving and programmatic um, in a way in which we could constantly know how many cars we would sell so that on the other end we could do much of the brand building, um, more human-centered stuff on that level. But the But on the lower end, we know that you're in market, you need a car, so we can give you a call to action and a price point. Yeah, I mean, you're you're taking every bit of information you can. You're not just looking at one single statistic, but really, like you said it before, a holistic approach. Yeah, and you know, I used to say like we need to understand our our customer and where they are in the process. So, do they need to just be aware of the brand? Do they need to be excited about the brand? Are they in market for what we're selling? Too um, often, I think brands try to go on a first date and ask, you know, uh, to get married. And I, and, I, and I think, you know, that it's a relationship. It takes time. Absolutely. Time, trust, and foundation. You're building a foundation with your potential clients and customers. Yeah. And, and I think the other part of what it means for brands long term is that authentic type of product and advertising marriage um, ends up in 
brand loyalists, which loyalists, which ends up having the people sell for you and, and, you know, delivering the right thing at the right time to the right person isn't about just delivering the right ad messaging sequence, but the right value. And then they can start to do that for you. And that's really successful brands. You start to see that the word of mouth really has more weight than anything else. Oh, absolutely. I can, I can name a bunch of brands off the top of my head that I believe to be better just because of the recognition of their name. And I would blindly buy something because, oh, well, it's, you know, it's this car or it's this, this brand of clothing, it must be good. <laughs> right. And, and, that and a, even that's a good long term. Yeah, but that could wear off over time. So how do you stay relevant? And if you realize, you know, Levi's and, and, and some of these other brands have gone through this type of thing where they were the pinnacle and all of a sudden they're playing catch up because it's really easy to decide, of, oh, we're winning, 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 and somebody else kind of the underdog overtakes you. So how are you constantly surprising and delighting the, the core customers beyond. So great, your jeans are the best and everybody has them. You can charge a premium, but how do you keep that going? What can you keep keep adding innovation to that? Absolutely. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us and giving us this little bit of insight into a holistic, humanistic marketing approach and reminding us to take a purposeful pause. You. Absolutely. This has been Juliet Lamar with Feature Tech Podcast with John Matello the principal and co-founder of Longblink. Thank you so much for tuning in. Catch you guys later. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.